Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to CLNS Radio, your source for all things basketball. You cannot stop this guy. This guy is unbelievable right now, and with the way he's playing, he's played an outstanding brand of basketball. You're trying to tell me he's not the next best thing? What are you hearing? Man, all I know is this guy can fall, and if you can come out and play with him, you can play with anybody in the league. I want your opinion. Call into the show. Why don't you drive the rack? Seriously, why don't people drive the rack more often? Fed up with this cookie-cutter brand of basketball, not go out and hand-check. What are you comparing? The guy's got grit. The guy's got moxie, and the guy's got heart. What more do you want? Broadcast through Blog Talk Radio and CLNS Radio. They gonna love me for my ambition. Welcome to the Hooper's Log. He did a dream, a dream that was harder to live. Here's your host, Simo Buck. They gonna love me for my ambition. Welcome on into episode 124 of the Hooper's Log. It is Friday, 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 April 22nd, 2016. It is a weekend playoff preview edition as we will preview all the first round games coming up for the weekend and obviously tonight as obviously there are some games underway right now if you're listening live. Uh, we have the Cavs and Pistons. Obviously, it's a dogfight out there in Detroit. Uh, I know my guy Andrew is watching that one. Uh, I believe he's going to be on the show here shortly. He is here. He just jumped into the studio. Andrew Norris, I'll get him on in just a moment. Obviously, three games last night in the NBA, and one of them was a classic uh, from the standpoint of it being an actually a close game, our first close game, non-playoff, non-weekend uh, you know, non great playoff basketball game. During the weekday, I mean, I actually got to sit back and watch a great fourth quarter in the postseason, and I was intrigued as all heck, obviously, with the Houston Rockets and, and uh, Golden State Warriors. It was an outstanding ball game. Obviously, a lot to get to. We'll break it down for you today here on the Hoop is Log on episode 124 on Friday, uh, April 22nd, 2016. My guy Andrew Norris is on the line. Andrew, what's going on, man? What is going on? As I just hopped in the studio here, I spilled water all over my leg. Uh, I knocked my cup off the table, so that was wonderful. Um, just finished setting up my little nephew with his fifth birthday today. Shout out to him. Happy birthday, little man. I got him a uh, a little, well, actually, a re- I guess it's a real basketball net. Um, the whole the whole kit and caboodle. It's not one of those little plastic ones. And... Uh, uh, I'm excited to give him that in about I, – I only got about 15, 20 minutes here with my, you know, my family celebrating. Um, but I, I am excited. I'm having a good day, easy day at work. I just had to drive around all day, and, and I'm ready to talk some basketball. And on top of everything, the Pistons are putting up another great fight up four right now against yeah. the Cavs. They're doing really well. The Pistons are playing very well. No matter what the outcome of these first three games have been or will be after tonight – this Pistons team is, is really, really showing the world that wait till next year or definitely wait down the road when this team becomes, like, older and more mature, they're going to be a scary, scary presence. Let's get it going, Kevin Hart. Let's start it off here. Obviously, we're going to fly through these first couple of games first, and then we'll break down the Golden State-Houston game in just a moment. Kevin Hart, let's get it started. All right, all right, all right. We're going to learn today. Obviously, the first two games in the NBA last night were duds, as per usual, as the playoffs have been. 
outside of a couple of games on the weekend and obviously the late game last night. But Thunder gets a victory, 131-102, to bouncing back in a big way, obviously getting that 2-1 series lead, taking back home court advantage. Russell Westbrook, a big-time wiper worthy performance, 26 points, 15 assists, and two steals. And obviously the highlight of the night was when Russell Westbrook blocked Dirk Nowitzki on his way to the rim and then had an outlet pass to Enos Cantor, perfect pass to him to the rim, uh, outstanding play there. That really defined the whole game. Russell Westbrook dominating 26 points, 15 assists, outstanding game there by him. And the Thunder bounced back. And, and, and there was some controversy. We'll talk about that in a moment, obviously. But the Thunder getting a dominant there. Controversy from the officiating perspective. We'll talk about that here in a second. Uh, but that was the game there in that one. Raptors beat the Pacers 101-85. to They took back home court advantage as well. But I have a feeling that this Raptors-Pacers series is going to go uh, maybe five, maybe six or even seven games. I still have a feeling it's going to go deep. What were your take from these first two games, Andrew, before we get to the big one from the night? They, you know, they were the, how the playoffs have been, you know, so far. They weren't, I mean, 131 to 102 and 101 to 85. They weren't entertaining. I, I, they were two games where I watched about 15 minutes of all together just wasn't interesting and you know i'll watch i'll watch hoekstra versus you know a community college in college basketball season or i'll watch 76ers versus the nets but for some reason this first round i don't know if it's just you know i aside from the pistons i kind of just want to get to the next round i don't want the Pistons season to be over but i don't know if it's just me really wanting to get there and it's making it seem even more boring than these games actually are um, but they've just tended to find this year's playoffs as a whole. Um, the average margin of victory is almost 20 points a game this year. That is outrageous. Yeah. Almost 20. It's like 18 points a game, the average margin of victory. Um, so, you know, it, it's uh, it, it's been a terrible, terrible first round. And uh, real quick, how about Stanley Johnson? He's got nine points here in the first half. Um, you know, he's yeah. backing up the, the big-time words he put out against LeBron. Um, but back on, back on track here, you know, it, it's just been a terrible, boring first round that's already dragging out, already, and we're only two yeah. games into most of these series. It has, a very, it has a very first four feel to it when it comes to the NCAA tournament. You know, the tournament has its first weekend. Obviously, everyone loves the first weekend of college basketball, but – no one remembers the first four uh, when it comes to the first four games of the tournament. That's exactly what this first round feels like. I feel like this is just kind of a, you know, play in circumstance for a lot of these teams, obviously a couple of series that are going to go uh, the, the, the string out, they're going to string out, but the rest of them are just, you know, let's just get on with it and let's move on. One game though, from last night, obviously in the game of the night by far game of the playoffs, in my opinion, by far. And it wasn't just because Steph Curry wasn't in the ball game. It wasn't because, you know, uh, the Warriors lost. That's not, that's not the reason why this was a very, uh, this was a very entertaining ball game and a very fun game to watch win or lose. If the Warriors would have won that game, if the Rockets won, which they did, it was a very entertaining ball game from the standpoint of, look, I thought, and what's fascinating is today and only about a couple hours ago, this has been released that apparently the game winner by James Harden, which is this play right here. We have it right here for you on the show. James Harden game winner over the Golden State Warriors. Houston knocks it away, and here comes Harden. One point, Golden State lead. Harden against the back pedal, and he got it! He got it! Timeout! Apparently, that was a offensive foul. That's what the 
coaches. That's what the refs were saying today uh, late. It, it, what's fascinating is, is, look, I feel like they were pressured in some circumstances to say something, especially considering the Draymond Green fiasco of him basically body slamming Michael Beasley to the ground. Outside of that circumstance, I mean, in, in my opinion, I don't think that would have been a foul call anyway, even if James Harden did what he did. I'd, unless it was super blatant, that was not a blatant foul call. Like in that circumstance, every single star player is going to get the benefit of the doubt in that circumstance. That's just how it works in the NBA. Unless it was super blatant, which it wasn't, um, it could have gone either way. That was, that was fine. And for the most part, this game, the referees were outstanding. I, we've been saying it most of the time. The refs have been kind of, uh, you know, shaky and, sh- and, sh- and subtle, you know, during the playoffs. This was an outstanding officiated game. They let them play. The physicality was there. Both the teams kept it in check. Obviously, emotions got high at times, but at the but when they when the refs took it took you know took the game where it needed to go, they didn't blow the whistles late to decide the ball game. They let the players figure it out. That was outstanding. And even though I don't like the Warriors, I'm gonna sit here and tell you I don't like them, and especially I don't like Steph Curry. This team had some unbelievable performances from last night off the bench. Ian Clark was unbelievable down the stretch for the Golden State Warriors, a guy we don't see play because of their rotation with Steph being out, considering he gets to play a little bit more. He was unbelievable stepping up. Sean Livingston looks like the better – Sean Livingston looks like an unbelievable player now. And we've said this before. He could start for probably 20 teams in the NBA, and he would do fine. But he looked unbelievable last night. And the guy – and I was making this comparison and thinking about it as I was driving around for work today. Maurice Spates reminds me a lot of the Chris Burden – the Birdman from 2012-2013, except the difference is, is he impacts the game offensively and, and then defensively, Chris Birdman had that crazy defensive presence for the Miami Heat in 2012-2013, the year they won 27 in a row. It's similar. Maurice Spates, when he comes off the bench, is an offensive dynamo. He's one of the best offensive players off the bench in the NBA, strictly from mid-range. He's unbelievable, unbelievable. He, he seems to put this team back in the mode that they need to be in to be competitive. And with Maurice Spates scoring 20 off the bench, Sean Livingston coming in and providing the spark. You know, uh, Ian Clark stepping up and almost putting the game away with that layup until James Harden hit the game winner. This team for Golden State, they lost last night not because they didn't have Steph Curry. They lost because Klay Thompson was 0-7 from the field. They had multiple, and I mean multiple, wide-open jumper opportunities, and they just flat-out missed it. And if you watched the game, if you didn't watch the game, you have no idea what we're talking about. But if you actually watched the game, you saw them miss probably 10 open jumpers in the second half of that ball game, especially in the fourth quarter. I think it was like five or six wide. I mean, no one was near them. No one bounced back recovery-wise on defense, and they just flat-out missed open shots that they normally make or any team would normally make. That was the deciding factor in the ball game. Not because Steph Curry was there. If Steph Curry was there. Yeah, they probably would have won, but then you're getting into the whole, you know, 2020, you know, hindsight's 2020 who would have known it's the first game in Houston. We don't know, but ultimately, and would have Steph made his shots. We've seen him play bad games before where he's gone two for 18 from the field. That's not, that's not bashing Steph. That's the fact, but from the standpoint of this team missing shots, that's what happened. That's why Houston won. Realistically, and I'm going to be honest, Houston got really, really lucky in the fourth quarter because, honestly, the, hand, the game was pretty much hand-gifted to the Golden State Warriors to win this ball game. 
Key players stepped up. Role players stepped up. This team really played well. They just couldn't make their open shots. And with Clay Thompson going 0-7 from the field, and many of those being uh, uh, from the three-point line, and many of those being wide open, they kind of hand-gifted it to the Rockets to get the victory. But you got to give credit to the Rockets for at least hanging in there and competing early on in the ballgame and kind of doing what the Pistons have done, but at the same time getting a little bit of luck from the Warriors missing the shots. Uh, Charles Barkley's all over the media right now. I don't give. I don't really care about what he said and what happened. But what was your take from this game, Andrew, last night? As it clearly was one of the best games we've seen of this postseason so far uh, in the first round. Yeah, the Rockets finally showed some life, some hustle, some grit, some determination. Finally, looked like they wanted to play together. Um, you know, it. You had all year. Uh, James Harden and Dwight Howard hate each other nonsense and whatnot, but you know, it, it just seemed honestly like they didn't want to play together. Last night it looked like they were having fun yeah. playing together uh, on the same page, and Dwight Howard played like, you know, not quite the Dwight Howard of old, but close. Sure. You know, he was, a, he, yeah. was, he was dominant at times in that game, making big plays and really leading his team. That's what people forget. When he was on the Magic, he was a leader on both ends of yes. the court. I mean, he brought his team to a final. And he yep. really showed a glimpse of that last night and how good this team can be when he does that. He is the key. You know, James Harden is the the thing that he's the engine. But Dwight Howard's yeah. the wheels, right? Dwight Howard's the wheels. An engine can start, but it can't get going without the wheels. So James Harden got him to sneak in, and now, you know, if they want to make this a real series, Dwight Howard's going to have to play like that again because Steph is not sitting again now that they've lost the game. They don't want it to be 2-2 going back to Golden State because 2-2, first of all, then you're going to have to play more games. Uh, There's always that chance of it going seven, and anything can happen in a game seven. So they want to go up to the game for one because they know they won't lose three in a row to the seed. So Steph is not sitting again. you're good. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say. I was gonna say, and I think, and I think, obvious. I think, as we all know, if you definitely watch the game, look, you're right. From the standpoint of Houston, did play a lot better together in this ball game. Unfortunately, late in the, especially in the fourth quarter, obviously they went back to that one-on-one ISO offense, which you saw Patrick Beverly do it, you saw James Harden do it, you saw Monty Yunus do it, you saw you saw other some multiple of guys trying to do it. But you're right. In the first two and a half, three quarters of that ball game, you saw them play together, make the passes, make the extra extra passes to get the better shot that they possibly could. That's what got Golden State off the rhythm. Steph Curry or not, this team came out and played great basketball. Houston did. And they matched, they matched the Golden State Warriors step for step. And for that being said, you know, people are saying, oh, steps out. Steph's out. No, 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 no. What, what, made the, what made the Warriors lose this game last night, even if Steph Curry wasn't even in the picture, they didn't make their open basket. It's just that simple. And, and you're right from the standpoint of, you know, the, the, the Houston Rockets, they made their adjustments. That's the thing people don't understand about the, the playoffs, at least the, g- the generic fan out there watching the playoffs. They don't get the fact that when you watch these games, teams make adjustments game in, game out. And this game, they made the adjustment to implement Dwight Howard down low on the block through alley-oops, 
through him getting his post position, which was literally on the block. If you give Dwight Howard anything within the block, it's game over, especially if it's someone against Andrew Bogut, who just honestly has the size disadvantage against a guy like Dwight Howard. That's just the nature of the beast. That's how it works. A bigger player is going to dominate more down low. And when Dwight Howard is given that opportunity to, to make buckets and, and obviously get the extra pass rolling around, when they catch onto the double team and they start passing out of the double team like you saw last night Houston do, they become a very scary team because they have talent all around that team that can improvise and play really good basketball. And you're right, from that perspective alone, go on with what you were saying. No, no, I mean, basically, you know, it's just, if they, they they could still stay together, and I think this series is where you're going to determine it. If they go to six games, you know, this they might all stay together, and they're going to need this Dwight next year, but, you know, because they're, they're not beating Golden State, but, you know, it was good no. to see that Dwight. But I had to go, uh, we are celebrating, like I said, we are celebrating my little nephew's fifth birthday, um, all right. So I want to go give him his gift. We were waiting until till my mom got here. She got here. So I want to go give him his gift. But go check out thehooperslog.com. If you want to write, send in an application. Uh, go check out the YouTube. Go check out the Twitter. It's my whole normal spiel. Again, happy birthday to the little guy, Michael William Kissel. Um, go Pistons and peace. All right, Andrew. Go enjoy your birthday. And uh, that's one thing we, we promote here on the Hoopers Log is, uh, is life is more important than – uh, life events are way more important than the silly game uh, that we call the NBA or basketball. And uh, good luck with that, Andrew. Uh, obviously, enjoy your weekend and, and what you're doing. Uh, definitely appreciate the at least the effort to show up and enjoy yourself. I really do appreciate it. And obviously, enjoying a birthday is way more important than the silly game we call the NBA. Uh, but but back to the point of the game last night. And, and obviously, everyone's talking about the officiating and the down the stretch the way they called it. But for the most part, that was an unbelievably officiated ball game. And for the way that game was played through and through, you got to give credit to the Rockets for at least hanging in there. Now, and again, I am not, uh, and as everyone's heard on this show or episode 124 in the Hoopers Log, if you'd like to call in and talk about the game, 323-642-1558 is the number. Again, if you'd like to call in and talk about this Golden State Rocket game, please feel free to do so. 323-642-1558 is the number. But, I, I, you gotta hand it to Golden. You gotta hand it to the Rockets, though, and give them the credit for the win. But at the same time, and I'm, again, I'm not a, I'm not a Warrior supporter. I'm not a fan of them. I, I think they're a great team. They're unbelievable. Seventy-three and nine is is just unbelievable and ridiculous. Um, Steph Curry or not, unbelievable, ridiculous. Um, and what this team, you know, did last night. They played outstanding, and the problem was the only problem they had, which is they just could not get the ball in the basket. And 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 I think the war the, the the Rockets really did get off lucky on that one. They could have easily lost that game, especially how they played late in the fourth. Third quarter they were fine. The fourth quarter they only scored 19 points. They let Golden State creep back into it, and they got. I'm telling you, the final six minutes of that ball game. If you're a Rockets fan, you definitely feel like you walked out of there. Uh, you know, you felt like you walked out of, conveni- out of a convenience store like you robbed something. Like, that felt like a robbery with the way the Rockets won that ball game. Not, not from the standpoint of the referee giving them the call late. That was not what I'm talking about. From the standpoint of if the, if the Golden State Warriors would have just hit the shots they normally hit all year, this would have been a 10-point victory easy down the stretch. I mean, easy if they would have just hit their shots late. That's all that what it really comes down to. And for that, I mean, the Rockets got lucky. 
uh, the, the Warriors didn't necessarily choke. These these kind of games happen, uh, and and people who think that they choked last night, you're you're fully mistaken. They played an outstanding game, um, and considering everyone who showed up, Maurice Spates, Sean Livingston, Ian Clark, those three guys really need to get the nod. And and last night I was just sitting there watching, and I was just like, man, as much as I don't like this Warriors team, I have to give respect to a guy like Maurice Spates. He was un. Unbelievable off the bench last night. Another guy, Ian Clark, making a couple of unbelievable basketball moves. He was outstanding, unbelievable. I know I'm saying unbelievable a lot, but they really were. Sean Livingston, he came in, provided the spark they needed to come back in that ball game, and he was outstanding. I mean, it was that was if you go back and watch the tape of those bench players in that game. I mean, it was truly an incredible treat to watch by the Golden State Warriors, and it really is. I mean, it felt like watching the San Antonio Spurs from about two years ago when they won the title over the Heat. It felt like that. And, and that is truly an art and something that is, uh, that is instilled within the organization of the Golden State Warriors and what they've created here over the last couple of years with Steve Kerr. And that's really a lot of credit to that coaching staff. Those guys off the bench truly are turning into one of the more legendary benches of all time. And it's everyone's saying, oh, they lost because of Steph Curry. I mean, you're, you're crazy. You're out of your mind if you think that they lost because of Steph Curry. They couldn't make their shots down the stretch. This team is clearly more superior than, than, than Houston. I still think they're going to win in five. I said they'd win in five from the get-go. They're still going to win this series. They're going to win the next two. It's going to happen. The problem is, is like Andrew said, if you're a Warrior fan, and if you're, if you're a fan of the NBA in general and you just want to see the Warriors succeed because they're the Warriors and you just don't know anything about basketball and you're just listening to my show because you just, you just hate me because you don't like the fact that I don't like Steph Curry, um, understand that the Golden State Warriors and what they're going to go through here over the next couple of series in the second round and in the Western Conference Finals, and then if, if, if they get to the NBA Finals, which I think they will, but, and I predicted them to, um, I'm telling you, they can't play. They cannot not have bad off nights and play this way. And also, they can't afford Houston to give them any more runs for their money. They've already given up one game, unfortunately, from the standpoint of missing their shots. It's just the nature of the beast. They've given up a game, and now they have to play one. Sorry, San Antonio is sweeping Memphis. They play game three tonight. They're going to sweep Memphis. That's going to happen. And and they're going to beat them. They're going to move on. And then you got Oklahoma City, who unfortunately lost to Dallas, um, and, and, they, and they lost their one game, but that's that. And then you also have the, uh, then you have the L.A. Clippers, who look like they're going to sweep the Portland Trailblazers. So, I mean, you don't want to give these other teams the rest that they need. They cannot afford to lose another game against the, uh, against the uh, Houston Rockets if they really want to have a chance against teams like L.A., and San Antonio because off nights are going to happen. Adjustments are going to happen. Teams are going to be are going to play better than the Houston Rockets team. And the way Houston's gotten off the quick starts, Golden State cannot afford to allow quick starts against teams like this and LA and San Antonio as those teams have just absolutely doused and dominated their opponents the way they're supposed to here in the first round. And that's just what they've done. That's just the nature of the beast. And they cannot allow that to happen and especially allow their legs to get tired. This is a, this is a tread on the tire effect. I heard this from a guy last night. Obviously, I listened to Ben Maller. He, he said something like that last night. But it's a tread on the tire effect. You don't want this team playing any more games than they need to to go through the stretch that they're about to go through. Right now, they're not in the forest yet. Wait till they play the Clippers. 
They're playing a really, really, really clicking Clipper team right now. If they don't beat the Clippers, it's still going to be a tough matchup. If they beat them, they're then going to play the San Antonio Spurs, who also are going to be playing a tough team in the Thunder. But either the Spurs or Thunder play in the second round, it's, gonna, it's just going to be a tough, tough road. And you don't want to afford to give up any more games. And Houston's playing with house money when it comes to pressure. They have no pressure to succeed. They have no pressure to do anything great. They're out there just trying to have fun, make this a series, make this something fun, entertaining to watch. That's all they're trying to do. Golden State has every single ounce of pressure to win the NBA Finals this year because if they don't win the NBA Finals, People will look at this as the greatest team to never win a title. That's exactly what they'll be if they don't win it. It's the nature of the beast. When you win 73 games in the NBA and you set the record for the regular season mark, you become that if you don't win the title. It's just that simple. And they have every single ounce of pressure to do it. They haven't, they've obviously not had any pressure all year. They're going to be fine. They're going to win this series. It's going to happen. Um, but, again, you don't want to afford any more losses. And with that being said, Let's move on to the next topic. Uh, obviously, those are the games last night. Uh, Houston, Houston won. Uh, you know, Houston won. Oklahoma City won. And obviously, the Toronto Raptors won last night on Friday. And right now in the NBA, as we look at the scores, Cavaliers and Pistons, the Cavs are at halftime up 54-53, to 53, and the Celtics are up early in the ballgame against the Hawks in Boston. Five minutes left in the first, Celtics are up 22-13. to 13. Again, if you'd like to call into the phone number, is 323-642-15. Five eight is the number. Okay, most improved player of the year. It was, it was announced today, um, and an unbelievable, uh, really a really good. I wouldn't call it unbelievable. A really good uh, press conference by C.J. McCollum as he walked away heavy, heavy, heavy favorite as the uh, most improved player of the year, and deservedly so. Five hundred and fifty nine points to Kemba Walker, who had one hundred and sixty six. A domination fest. One hundred and one first place votes for C.J. McCollum. This was a very obvious. Uh, voting poll, uh, C.J. McCollum, clearly the most improved player in the NBA um, for him. And uh, what a better guy to, to do it. Uh, and, and talking about his, his running mate, uh, Damian Lillard, earlier today, and talking about how Dame really allowed him to, to improve and be the player that he is now and, and really stepping into a role of being a, a really great one-two punch with now one of the top five backcourts in the NBA. Uh, and, and C.J. McCollum and, and, and Kemba Wall, I mean, excuse me, C.J. McCollum, and Damian Lewis. I'm looking at Kimba Walker, who won second place in the Most Improved Player Award. And an interesting fact about the Most Improved Player Award, obviously, C.J. McCollum deserving every single ounce of credit for improving this year and helping the Blazers get to the postseason, which still, unbelievable feat there. Um, but, but here's the thing that's fascinating to me. And again, I don't want to harp on Steph Curry. It's not fair. I know this is not his place to talk, but he's clearly going to win the MVP. And this year, it's more evident than not that he deserves it this year than last year. And it's not because they weren't the best team in the NBA last year, because during the regular season, the Warriors were the best team in the NBA. Not a debate. Everyone knows that. 67-15, and 15, they were great last regular season. There's no debate on that. But in my opinion, Steph Curry last year – was not as good as Steph Curry this year. And he got fourth place on the most improved player award, uh, 83 points overall, you know, only, only four, or excuse me, only 15 or 16 points behind Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, and quite a bit, you know, about half that away from Kemba Walker. He cut in half, you know, Kemba Walker 166, Steph Curry 83. Um, and, and for that being said, you know what, it frustrates me because, Look, last year, the, the MVP race was, was really – it really came down to the wire. If you remember the MVP race last season, it really, 
really came down to the wire. I mean, Steph Curry was in no way, shape, or form the, the best player in the NBA like he is this year. This year, look, I mean, when it comes to his, his team and what team he plays for and, and what he does, it's all debatable that he really is the best player in the NBA from the standpoint of defensively, offensively, you know, all combined. Is he the greatest shooter in NBA history? I will never debate that. He is. Um, but when it comes to overall, is he really the MVP of his team? I mean, that team still would have won 60 games this year for what, if Steph Curry wasn't on the team. That's just how good they are as a team. But it's kind of like the O.J. Simpson trial. Like, you know how O.J., obviously, as we all know, O.J. got off and got, got away with murder in the, uh, in the uh, actual, uh, like actual court, courtroom. And then in the civil case, he actually lost and got sued for the actions that were deemed that he actually had done it. This is kind of what it reminds me of in Steph Curry. Obviously, that's a way like 20 times more severe circumstance, but this is, it kind of reminds me of that with Steph Curry. This year, the, the voters were admitting you know, there were only you know, seven first-place votes for Kemba Walker to be most improved. There were seven first-place votes for Steph Curry and most improved as well. You know, obviously, C.J. McCollum dominated with 101, but the voters out there, obviously, seven people voted first place for Steph Curry for a reason. I think, they didn't, I think those were probably the same voters last year that voted on either Russell Westbrook, James Harden, or LeBron James, and they probably said, yeah, Steph Curry is going to be the MVP this year, but he was also the most improved. That is, that is actually not something I'll argue. From the standpoint of last year, it was between Steph, because he was, he was – this was the debate last year. If you remember a year ago, Russell Westbrook didn't quite make, get his team to the NBA playoffs because of obviously Kevin Durant being hurt. They were undermanned early on in the season. Russell Westbrook was out for about a month. He came back and was unbelievable from about – after the All-Star break, basically February all the way until the end of the season, he was probably the best player on the planet if not the best player on the planet. And it was much better than this year, which, believe it or not, he was still amazing down the stretch in the season this year, but last year was just ridiculously uncanny and something we've never seen in about a two-month stretch with the way Russell Westbrook played. Um, and, and for that being said, and what's funny is, is this year Steph Curry is being said to be the best player in the NBA and whatnot and all that. When, you know, what's funny is, is this year he led the league in scoring. Well, last year Russell Westbrook led the league in scoring, and he was better statistically in so many different categories, yet he didn't get it because his team didn't make the postseason. Okay, that's fair enough. His team didn't make the postseason. That's fine. Well, you could have made the case for James Harden. The Rockets went from, I think, the seventh seed last year all the way to, I think, a top three seed by the end of the season, if not number two. And that team came out and did it because of James Harden. Really, James Harden improved drastically last year and became the star player we all expected him to become. And I think everyone thought James Harden and Steph Curry were the real two guys in the race to win the MVP. And I think many people thought James Harden would actually win it, but Steph Curry took it because the team was better. And that's fair. If, if that's the way we're going to go with the MVP these days, which is have a dominant team and just pick the best player on the dominant team, go right ahead. We'll do that from now on. Wait till the Warriors drop off next year when, when their record drops off. Because they're not winning 73 again. But if their record drops off to 60 and, and 22, which is still fantastic, and the Spurs win 65, don't come crying to me when Kawhi Leonard wins MVP because that's how the, game, that's how the MVP is starting to go these days. Um, it's not actually going to the most valuable player. It's going to the best or most exciting or most circus-like player in the NBA. That's just my opinion. But I'm just stating the fact Steph Curry last year was not a clear-cut MVP like he is this year. That is something I won't argue. 
as much as I don't want Steph to win the MVP this year, it's almost undeniably you have to give it to him because the team won 73 games. And if there was a head to the snake of the greatness of this team, it is Steph Curry. Now, I would always agree, and I would always argue, that a guy like Draymond Green actually is the guy who is not being credited with how good this team is. Because without him, I think this team is not a championship-worthy team because Steph and Clay can't do it alone. They proved it three years ago when they lost to the Spurs. They proved two years ago when they didn't have Steve Kerr that those guys you know, could not get it done together. But the improvement of Draymond Green has really helped this team overall get better over time and become the team that they've become. And what's, what's funny is, and I see here, Draymond Green getting most improved player of the year award. He's in that conversation still behind guys like Will Barton and, and Jay Crowder and Steph Curry. Behind those guys, Draymond Green, if you really want to break down over time who's been the most improved player over a three-year stretch, Draymond Green has changed his game from a back-behind-the-bench, you know, behind-Maurice-Spates-type player to now he is one of the best power forward, small forward forwards in the entire NBA. In fact, in my opinion, he should be in the first-team All-NBA for Florida power forward. That is how impressive and how important he has been to this Golden State Warrior team. He's been that good and that impressive and that impactful to the point where this team has gone from Literally two years ago with, with Mark Jackson and the drama they had with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, quote, quote, unquote, not really working, not that they weren't working together, but the team wasn't necessarily clicking. So then last year, Draymond Green taking the steps he did, and then the this year turning into a potential MVP type. I mean, Draymond Green, really, if you break it down, has been the heart and soul of this ball club. That's where I would debate he should be the MVP of the NBA, and I wouldn't be upset at that. But there's you – know, Media members have jobs. You know, people have jobs at ESPN. People have jobs at TNT. People have jobs to talk about, you know, the most exciting players in the NBA. And I think a lot of people would say, look, Steph Curry is a part of a system, which fortunately, and this is what's good about Steph Curry, and this is as much crap as I talk about Steph Curry, this is the good thing about Steph. Steph would be the first to tell you that his MVP award this year, once he gets it, he'll say, look, I wouldn't win the MVP right now if it wasn't for my surrounding teammates. And he'll say that, and he should. He's had guys like Kevin Durant who give praise to his teammates. Great. We all know Kevin Durant, talent-wise, is way more talented than Steph Curry. I don't care what you say. Kevin Durant's more talented than Steph Curry. Don't sit here and tell me he's not. Because if you say that, you're out of your mind. Stop listening to me because I'm never going to agree with you on that. Um, But when it comes to Steph Curry and what he is, he is a great shooter, greatest shooter of all time, never a debate in my mind there. But he has to keep up with this pace for the next couple of years, three years, to really get my seal of approval as a great player. As the example he sets on the court from the standpoint of the shot selections he takes, off the charts, not great. Now, from the standpoint of driving to the rim, from the standpoint of being fundamental, from the standpoint of being fundamental with the flash and the awe, it's, it's, it's inspiring and it's great. But from the standpoint of when you watch him throughout a fluidity of a game, not just his highlights, not just his great plays, when you watch him throughout the fluidity of a game, he is just a part of an unbelievably historical system, and he works in it. He does. He works in it. He makes it work for him, and he makes it productive for him, and great for him. Good. But when I bring up the word MVP, when I bring up the word you know, defining what is the most valuable player, when you really start to bring the value, what do you mean by value? What do you mean by a guy who, when he impacts his team, makes his team go to that next level of, you know, when it comes to being a good team, a great team, 
from a bad team. LeBron James, James Harden. Uh, you got other guys, Russell Westbrook last year. Those three guys last year were that, more than Steph. They were. And this year, you got to give it to Steph from the standpoint, I would give it to, like I said, Dream Hungry, but you got to give it to Steph because he's the head of the snake. And that's where, like I said, media needs to make their money. Uh, writers need to make their money. You know, people who talk about Steph, the stat nerds, the people who don't know what they're talking about when it comes to basketball, they need to make them see their money and, 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 and have a sense of reality because Steph Curry is the Harlem Globetrotters of basketball these days. He shoots balls from 35 feet out when he's wide open, and he tries to hit game winners from 60 feet out. You know, he tries to, you know, he shoots, he shoots one-handed runners from 18 feet out with two guys on him when he had two guys open. I mean, he doesn't make smart, quality, fundamental basketball plays, but he is the head and the face of this team from a marketing perspective. Does Steph Curry sit there and try and be, you know, this, this great leader and an outspoken character? No, he's not. He's not outspoken. He's not the guy. I think the media pushes that onto him more than, we, than most people let on, but he's the head of the snake. And for that, he's going to win MVP this year. And for that, he has improved. He's, he has improved tenfold from last year. Last year, he was great. Last year, he broke his own record for threes. He was unbelievable. But this year, he almost doubled his three-point you know, efficiency rating. He almost doubled what he did last year. And so for him being fourth, it's kind of like the comparison with the OJ trial of last year. You know, Steph won MVP, but many people were like, oh, I don't know about that. This year, him winning, him getting fourth and the most improved is kind of like OJ getting the civil trial. The people who voted first for Steph Curry are probably like, yes, this guy improved a lot, but he wasn't MVP last year. This year, those same people who probably voted him first for most improved will vote him for MVP, and those people I applaud. Because those people, I can guarantee you, probably thought Steph Curry was not the best player in the NBA last year. He was definitely top five, but he wasn't the top player in the NBA. This year, I mean, there's no debate he's top five, but at the same time, you could have easily made the case that a guy like Russell Westbrook was better than Steph Curry all year last year, all year, all freaking year last year. And many stat nerds and many people who follow the game at a more deeper level than I do or other people do or writers or people who follow the NBA would even tell you that last year Russell Westbrook was a better player than Steph Curry last year. This year, that is not the case. Steph Curry is better than Russell Westbrook this year from the standpoint of he led his team to 73 games, not completely led his team, but he was a part of a system that brought his team to 73 games. Unbelievable from that perspective. And you, you, can't put, you can't put a mark on it, which is unbelievable. That's why, in my opinion, he does deserve being a, one of the most improved players. But the, for people to say that this year proves why last year he should have won the MVP, you're counteracting your argument that last year you probably thought he wasn't, shouldn't have been the MVP. That's what we're trying to say. Steph last year was a soft MVP. This year, it ain't that soft. It really ain't. Like, I mean, it really ain't. If, 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 if everything went perfect the way I think it should in, in, a, in, in the way basketball should be, Draymond Green should win MVP. But I'm telling you, Steph Curry is on his coattails. I mean, it is right there. And, in fact, if you want to go even deeper, you could – I mean, Clay Thompson should get maybe a one, or one or two votes, maybe third-place votes. But he should be in that – he should get at least one third-place vote. I wouldn't be shocked if people vote for the MVP and put it Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Clay Thompson. Why not? 73 and 9? It's the greatest regular season basketball team we've ever seen. You know, for that, for that reason alone, Steph Curry being fourth on most improved when last year he wasn't even seen as most improved, you just seen as the guy. 
it was an insult last year, and going into this year is why I have this, this, this quote-unquote shade for Steph Curry. It, it's mostly that because I really value Russell Westbrook and his athleticism and his, his decision-making, not late in games, definitely not late in games, but his decision-making I value. But from the standpoint of if you're going to put Steph Curry fourth on most improved and people are going to vote him first on most improved, actually he was tied for second on first place votes for most improved. That's just that, that's all you need to know about what I talk about when I talk about Steph Curry. And and for the other point, this is Steph Curry's seventh year in the league. For people to say that he's the most efficient, one of the greatest players to ever play the game, the best point guard to ever play, the this, the that, kind of blowing smoke out your butt and thinking that you know what you're talking about when you're talking about the greatest players of all time. Steph Curry is his time to grow and to shine and to be great. He had to take seven years or six years to get to that point to eventually be where he's at. That's a long time compared to guys like LeBron who stepped in at 18 and were scoring 30 out the gate. I mean, just, just think about what you're talking about when you talk about Steph Curry. It's only been the last two years. Two years ago, you know what Steph Curry was doing? Sitting on his couch at home. He's probably actually shooting threes and trying to get better. But he was probably sitting on his couch at home watching the playoffs. That's what he was doing. He, what, he wasn't in the playoffs lot two years ago. This Warrior team has started their new regime, if they want to call it that, as of last year. And if they win, if they win multiple titles in the next three years, which I've given Steph Curry in three years, if, this, if he keeps playing at this pace, not this ridiculous 400 threes, if he shoots 400 threes for the next, for the next three years, I, I'll, I'll, put him in, I'll, put him in the, I'll put him in the conversation of being one of the greatest players of all time. I will. Not the greatest, but he'll be in that conversation of guys like, you know, Magic Johnson in his own realm. I will. But this guy has to prove that he can play at this kind of level and get better shot quality over time to do this for a long period of time. He can't just do it for two years. It's like, it's like the Derrick Rose comparison. Derrick Rose was unbelievable that MVP season that he got it. And then once he won MVP, everyone was saying he's going to be a top 10 point guard all time. He's going to be this. He's going to be that. This is going to happen. This is the exact same thing that's happening to Steph Curry. The only difference is he's on a much better team than Derrick Rose was that year. Because the MVP award was given to a player who really did mean a lot to his team that year, which was Derrick Rose. Because without Derrick Rose, that Bulls team was garbage. I mean, really. I mean, they, they, they've proven that over the last five years, that without Derrick Rose, they're kind of a mediocre, above-average, mediocre ball club. You know, they have. They've proven that. And because it's the Eastern Conference, if they were in the West, they would be dominated. But this Golden State Warriors team the last, this year and last year have proven that they're a great team. Steph Curry has just been a part of that. That's just all it is. If he does it for the next three years and he proves why he can do this for long stretches of time late in his career and then finish out his career, you know, because in three years, it'll have been 10 years in the league. And then once you get to 12, 13, 14, and he's still doing amazing things, then obviously I'll put him there. I'll put him in a top. I'll easily, easily write him off as top 10 point guard all time. Easily. Not even a debate. And if he wins this year and next year and gets a three-peat, yeah, maybe I'll put him in then. But for when it comes to my praise of Steph Curry and my ability to give him the benefit of the doubt, it's real tough right now because the reasons being are it's been so sudden. I mean, you, you have to give the thing about greatness and the thing about guys who are legendarily great, all-time unbelievable great, is the fact that these guys have done it for long stretches of time. Magic Johnson was a legend for over 10 years. 
LeBron James has been a legend for over 10 years. Michael Jordan, legend for almost 15, 20 years. You know, you talk about things like that. It's longevity that gets you in the conversation. Steph has only been great outside of shooting the basketball for two years. That's it. That is it. And it's tough for me to even admit that because I think he's still kind of mediocre on some of those things. Not mediocre, but you know what I mean. He's not Kyrie Irving with the handles. He's not Chris Paul with the decision-making as a pure point guard. He's not a this. He's not a, a great defensive specialist as overall. As a point guard, sure. But as an overall, no. He, he's not going to guard the best player on the team. That's just who he is. He's a small guy. And is he maximizing his talent? Oh, heck yeah, he is. But you're not going to hear the love from me because I still don't 100% believe. Now, has he built me into a – well, we've got, about a minute le- we've got about a minute left in the show. Let's get to the outro. Do-do-do. Has he built me – oops, that's the wrong one. At, has Steph Curry built me into more of a believer? Sure, he has. But for the overall standpoint, the guy still has a lot to prove to me as an overall individual player. As a team player, unbelievable, one of the best we've seen. But overall, when it comes to him being an individual player, he's not on the likes of LeBron, Magic, or any of those guys. So stop when you make those comparisons. That's the end of the show. Episode 124, Friday of uh, uh, April 22nd, 2016. The playoff games ahead. Obviously, game threes and game uh, game fours will be taking place over the weekend. All game threes and game fours over the weekend. And obviously, any game fives will start on Monday. Thank you for listening, everybody. Have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy the basketball. And enjoy the weekend. Have a good one, everybody. Enjoy yourself. Peace.